Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, if you missed it, you snuck in light. My name is Chris and um, light, light, jeez, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was so ocker of me. Light, uh, yeah, late. Um, I'll enunciate correctly from now on. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, hey, we're going to start off, um, th- and this, this next section is determined, um, how good this goes is determined on your engagement, okay? So if it's awkward, that's your fault. Um, the 10 a.m., I'll just let you know, I think you guys have got more in you, right? At 6 p.m., we're already, with, we're at the end of the weekend. So here's, um, here's what I want you to do. Um, I just want um, to know, I didn't know what this was. Who knows what Riz is? Yes, what, what charisma, okay, yeah, yeah. Someone's kind of like, eh, what, what is it? Don't look at, there was a hand raise. Okay, here's what I, here's, here's my like elder millennial take on Riz because um, I was trying to find out like what is Riz. The only reason I found out what Riz is is because I was on TikTok and there's like, you know, there's annoying people on TikTok that you just want to be like. There was this guy and he just walks up to girls and he's like, what song would you like me to play? Because he knows all of them and just starts playing. And all the comments were like, Riz game strong, Riz game strong. Apparently it just means game. Like what's your pickup game like? What's your chatting game like? Um, here's, here's the next one. Surely you guys have got something for this. What's your biggest ick? Anyone want to be brave? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Ooh, yes. Okay, B-O, yep. Okay, mouth, yeah, needs to, yeah, mint, pardon? La- oh, yes. Yep, okay, yep, I've been guilty of that. Mmm, yes. Any guy over 30, pretty much. Yes, Okay. My, yeah, there's people, um, my biggest ick is when, um, when you order food for yourself and then the person you're on the date with decides that they want some of your food as well. Like, just no, order your own. Yes, thank you. Here's one. This could, um, this is the last one. What are your biggest red flags in a relationship? Everyone's like quiet <laughs> because they're like afraid that the person they're into like might hear. Anyone got any red flags? Yes. That's why I got rid of mine very, very quickly. Very recently, I got rid of mine. Yeah, I was heading for, no, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll find some more red flags as we, as we go along. But if you are new, um, we are in the middle of this series called Love, Dates and Heartbreaks. Um, we called it Volume 2, uh, really, because a couple of years ago, we did, this, um, we did this series. We only went for three weeks. And there's like, half of it is like, you can never cover everything on Love, Dates and Heartbreaks. In, no matter how long you spend on it. The other part of it was like, we just didn't want to come up with a brand new series title to talk about love dates and heartbreaks. So we just kept the same branding and just put volume two in there. Um, and so last week, um, Jason um, Perkins was here and Perko talked about th- th- this idea um, in all relationships that there will always be a gap between what we experience in a relationship and what our expectations are. And how do we navigate that? And specifically last week, Jason talked about how do you avoid that gap? How do you avoid the gap of like um, your expectations and your experience kind of getting in the way of having a great relationship? And if you want to check that out, um, you can just type in Beyond Church AU on 
any th- any place that you find a podcast and you can listen to that um, conversation. Today, though, or tonight, rather, we're in um, we're in this part of the series. We're in the dates part. We'll come back to the love part. We're in the dates part of um, of this conversation. And so, I want to let you know the big idea up front. And the reason I want to do that is because I know that there's going to get to some point throughout our time together, and you're just going to like zone me out. You're just going to be like this guy. Yep, church guy, typical church guy. So you're just going to put it in a box and you're going to like zone out the rest of the message. So I just want to let you know what the big idea is up front so that when you stop listening to me, you'll know what I was trying to drive at. And here's this. The big idea for this is if you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, um, don't date like the majority of daters. Okay, if you look out um, and you want, a, you want a really healthy relationship, you want a relationship that's going to go the distance, but then you look at maybe your friends or you look at like um, the way that they go about dating or the way that people go about dating or the way that maybe you in the past have gone about dating, maybe there's something you need to change. And so if you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, don't date like the majority of daters. And to sort of get us talking about this whole idea of dating and relationships and all that, here's, don't answer this question out loud, but here's a question to just kind of get us thinking. Um, where do you get the majority of your dating advice from? You know, are you like me and you like look at the comments on TikTok to try and find out what Riz is? Uh, maybe it's like YouTube or podcasts. Podcasts are not too bad depending on what kind of podcast it is um, you're listening to. Is it that you kind of just like observed um, when you're at school, the way that your friends interacted? Do you observe now the way that your friends um, go about relationships? Maybe for you, like your dating advice, it just comes from straight trial and error, Okay. You date one person, you date another person, you just see what works, what doesn't work, and then the things that work, you keep them, and the things that, that don't work, you, you kind of get rid of them. Uh, maybe for others, and, and this, is, this one's probably a little subtle, we don't often see this come up, but maybe for some of us, um, our dating advice comes from our family of origin. And maybe we're not even aware of it, like we, we saw the way that mum spoke to dad, or the way that dad treated mum, and, and we just kind of have this subconscious thing that is now smuggled into all of our relationships and so we think that there's an appropriate dynamic or a way that a relationship should be structured uh, should be structured and we maybe wouldn't be aware of it but our dating advice um, comes from our family of origin the truth is right like there is no shortage of dating advice in fact even people that you don't know uh, will give you unsolicited dating advice not knowing uh, not knowing your situation at all and so my um my goal, before we sort of get into it, before we start talking about dating, before we start talking about any of that, I want to ask a question that we don't often ask when it comes to dating. Um, and it's this question. Why do you want to date? Right? It's not like a right or wrong answer to it. But I think this is a helpful question because it's, it's a question that's worthy of us answering. You know, maybe for you, you're kind of like, I, I just want to have fun. Right? Nothing serious, just want to be casual, just want to get to meet new people. I, I just want to enjoy this season of life that I'm at. Maybe for you, the, the, the answer is why you date. You just go, well, isn't that what everyone does? Like, that's what my friends my age are doing, and so I just, I just want to date as well. Maybe for others of you, you'd be like, oh, look, Chris, the reason I date is, is like one day I, I'd, like, I'd like to get married or I'd like a long-term relationship. You know, I don't know if the person I'm with right now, if they're the one or if it's going to be them, but, but, you know, in order to have someone that you get with long-term and be with long-term and get married to, you have, to be, you have to be dating and you have to, you have to figure it out. Um, maybe for some of you, honestly, the reason that you date is because you're like, I am just sick of being the seventh wheel, okay? All the time. Like, my friends are in relationships. I'm sick of being the only single one. And they're, they're great about it. They don't make fun of me. But every time we go out, I'm just made aware that I am single. And so I'm dating so that I can have um, someone to be, bring along. And really, 
kind of going a little bit deeper, is I, I think it's helpful, I think it's really important to kind of understand, hey, what are our primary motivations or what are your primary motivations more so um, when it comes to dating? And, and if you don't have, um, or if you're not at least aware of what those primary motivations are, then chances are what you'll do is um, you could, you'll look to dating to get what dating was never meant to give. Right, Because there are some things that dating was never meant to give us. And, and maybe for you, if you don't know what your primary reasons are, you, you might look to dating to fill a void. You might look to dating to, to fill some, sign of, uh, some kind of inadequacy that you feel within yourself, some kind of insecurity that you maybe have within yourself, some kind of purpose that you feel like you're missing without someone in your life. And the problem with this is that, I, uh, that dating was, was never supposed to give you identity. Dating was never supposed to be the measure of your worth. Dating is not designed to give you ultimate purpose in life. But the challenge is, is if we approach it this way, we'll get something, right? We will get something if, if we approach dating this way. The things you'll get in return if you, if you approach dating this way is, um, is you'll end up getting hurt. And why you'll get hurt is pretty simple, um, is because you'll start dating someone and for whatever reason, they're filling a void or they're hel helping you shape your identity or they're helping you with, with your self-worth, whatever it might be. Um, and then the problem is what you'll discover is, like all of us, they're not perfect. And they're going to let you down. And when they do let you down, you'll end up feeling hurt because they, they didn't measure up to the, the expectations that you had on them. And unrealistic, unrealistic expectations in any relationship leads to unimaginable hurt. And most of the time, honest, if we're honest and we reflect and we think about it, we think, you know what? No one could carry the, the, the expectations that we had of someone. So that's the first thing you'll get. You, you'll, you'll get hurt. The second thing you'll get is, is you'll get used to using people. Maybe you've been in a relationship <coughs> or maybe, um, you know, a friend who has been in a scenario similar to this where, you know, they were dating and and that you thought the relationship was going so well. You thought it was getting serious, and then all of a sudden, like out of the blue, like the relationship's over. But then next week, there was someone else. And, and maybe you spoke to them about it, or maybe you tried to confront them about it, but it just seemed like, to them, it was just like, well, what's the big deal? Like, wh why does this matter? And you're like, well, I thought we were going one way, and then all of a sudden, we're not going in that direction. And if you approach dating trying to find identity and worth and purpose, and then what ends up happening is, is you'll use people. And the second someone doesn't measure up to that expectation you have, then you'll move on to the next one. And what's worse, what's really heartbreaking, right, is when you don't even realize you're doing it. And when people point it out to you and you're just like, I just, I just don't see what the big deal is. Like, why is that a big deal? Here's the third thing um, that that could happen if, if you approach dating looking for identity, worth, and purpose is, is you'll get desperate. And when you get desperate, you always settle for less. And I think we can all agree, right? No matter where we sit on, on God or Jesus or the Bible, any of that sort of stuff, I think something that, that, that we can all agree on is this, is that desperate dating is dangerous dating. Right? Because when you're desperate in any area of life, but particularly when it comes to relationships and dating, you make decisions that you later go on to regret. You, you make decisions that in the moment that, that, you, wouldn't, that you wouldn't normally make when, um, when you're desperate. And this is just my two cents, right? But I just think you're too valuable. I, I just think that you mean too much to date desperately 
and to make decisions that you will, you will later end up, um, of, uh, 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 end up regretting. So, something, um, I don't know if you've ever said this, but something that I, I hear a little bit, right, because I kind of class myself now as like an elder millennial, right? I'm, I've just turned 33, I haven't been in the dating game for like over 10 years. Tinder wasn't invented um, when, when I was dating, okay? That kind of really dates me. Like, there was no apps, there was like plenty of fish, but it was a website, okay? Um, and so there was all this stuff. But here's, here's what I hear, and maybe this might be your sentiment when it comes to dating. Like, dating is complicated, right? Chris, it's messy. It's hard to figure out. Like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, are we seeing each other? Are we talking? Like, is it, is it serious? Like, like, w w like, you know, and so many people I talk to, they would just say, you know, Chris, dating, it's just, it's so complicated and it's so messy. Now, watch this segue. Someone um, who lived also, um, before the time of Tinder, was this guy called Paul. Um, do you like that segue? Okay. And Paul, for those of you who have no idea, if you don't like Christians, you're against the church, you would love Paul. Okay. Because Paul steps onto the pages of history with his sole goal is to eradicate Christianity off the face of the earth. Then he becomes a Christian and he starts planting these churches all around the Mediterranean Rim in the first century. And, um, and he writes letters to all these churches that he's started. And one of the churches that he started and he wrote a letter to is in the Greek city of Corinth. In fact, you can go and visit Corinth today. And Corinth was just like, it was complicated, okay? What you need to know about Corinth in the first century is that it was, it was a port city. And so that meant you had all these sorts of different cultures like mingling and co-mingling, um, which, was, which was pretty abnormal in the first century. People didn't travel very far distances, but it was right around that first century. So the Greco-Roman world is starting to expand. And so Corinth is getting all these sorts of different cultures influencing it. And it's kind of this melting pot. The other thing that was unique about Corinth is that it had this temple to the Greek goddess Artemis. Okay, and Artemis was associated with fertility, which meant it was really common practice. In fact, there were, there were thousands of temple prostitutes. And as part of their um, services, as part of um, their offerings that they would do, people would go to the temple and they would have sex with the temple prostitutes, which is really, really complicated if you have a family. Okay, and you're like, I'm off to the temple, and everyone knows what that means, okay? You're off to the temple, mum's off to the temple, dad's off to the temple, and then they come home, okay? And so there was just so much messiness and so much complication in Corinthian relationships and into it steps Paul and he introduces the idea of Jesus and the ethic of Jesus and the morality of Jesus and just in case you're thinking like to yourself you know you've got this picture of like Paul's kind of like that person in King George Square who's like yelling out stuff no 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 this was a brand new idea like no one had heard about Jesus in Corinth in the first century because Jesus only died in about 33 AD okay and so Paul steps in and he's giving them this brand new idea of, of looking at the world. And, and what he writes next, he writes more generally about relationships, but we can kind of apply it to dating and, and the complicatedness that dating can be. But this is what Paul says about relationships in general. He says this, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child would, right? And children, for those of you who, who don't have children, um, are naturally a number of things, okay? These are not all of the things they are, but here are some of the things, okay? Children are naturally impatient, you ever been talking to someone and their kid comes up and starts pulling on their leg? Mom, Dad, you said we, we said we we're going to go. You said we we're going to go. Like, it's time to go, right? And we don't get angry at kids for that. It's just how kids are, right? They're self-seeking. They're self-centered. This is one I love, easily distracted. You ever had a kid come and tell you a story? It's like, hey, you won't guess what happened this week. It's like, do you, is there more to that? More to what? 
And it's just, kids just get so easily distracted. You're like, we got to keep on track here. Keep focused. Like, no, they're easily distracted. They're easily angered. And there's this awesome little kid. Um, he comes to 10 a.m. with his family. His name's Max. Max is like, I don't know how old Max is. He's probably about nine or 10, maybe. I don't know. No, younger. Okay, six. Max is six. <laughs> I want to be a really great dad. Uh, Max is six. And Max comes in one morning because I'm standing at the front gate like saying hi to people not knowing their ages and Max walks in and normally Max and I are like normally we're tight Max like fist bumps me he's like waving at me from across the car but this day Max is not like giving me anything and I'm like hey Max like what's going on and he just he just blanks me walks past and I turn to his dad I was like is everything all right he's like yeah we made him put shoes on I was like those shoes he's like yeah the same shoes he's worn every day for the past six months and he's mad about it man like but that's what kids are right they're easily angered and they're also you know selfish and, and we don't get get mad about that because that's just how children are but Paul then says this he says but when I grew up I put away childish things in other words he's saying hey when I became an adult I stopped acting like a kid I stopped behaving like a kid and if you've taken anything if you take anything that's specifically designed for an adult and you give it to a child it always looks complicated in the hands of a child, right? It always looks like they have no idea what they're doing because oftentimes they don't because it is far too complicated for a child. And now please, please just hear me, okay? I'm not like that pastor that's like trying to bash culture and like slam on culture, okay? That's, that's not my goal. That, that is not my intent. But what I am trying to say is when it comes to romance, when it comes to dating, when it comes to love, when it comes to sex and sexuality, if we just keep going around saying how complicated it is, maybe that's maybe what's underlying that is maybe that we need to grow up. Maybe we need to handle it in a more grown-up way. I mean, one of the things that just I think personally, okay, this is just me personally, that I think is so childish that I just do not get is this whole ghosting thing. Okay, I just can't think of anything more childish than ghosting someone, okay? If you don't want to date them, let them know. If you're not showing up, let them know. If you, if you don't see it going anywhere, have the decency to tell them that you do not see it going anywhere. But what happens? People just get dropped. People can't get a response. People can't get a reply. And I just think, again, I'm not trying to bash culture. I'm just observing things. I just say, that is a childish way to behave. And I think if we want to uncomplicate things, we need to begin to behave a little bit more like grown-ups. But in order, in order for us to act like grown-ups, we have to acknowledge something, right? And the thing we need to acknowledge is that when it comes to dating, if we want to make it less complicated, we need to acknowledge that dating requires something of us, right? doesn't require necessarily something of the other person for them to feel something, but it actually requires something of us as we go into dating, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to require us to be vulnerable. It's going to require us to acknowledge some of our insecurities. It's going to require us to exercise like self-control and honour it's going gonna, it's gonna to, uh, uh, you know, require us to really kind of grow in some ways that maybe are not natural for us and maybe are a little bit comfortable for us, uh, maybe a little bit uncomfortable for us. And when it comes to this whole idea of relationships, um, the, new, the New Testament, which is kind of the second half of the uh, collection of documents that um, Christians refer to as the Bible where Jesus shows up, the New Testament is like immensely helpful, okay? For those of us who are Jesus followers, the ethic or the way we're supposed to behave is we're to love other people the way that Jesus has loved us. And Jesus gave his life for us. That's what we believe. So we're to love other people 
in, uh, in that way. And then all throughout the New Testament, like Jesus kind of gives us specific applications of what this type of love looks like. Love, this type of love, I don't know what is wrong with my enunciating tonight. This type of love looks like. And then Paul comes along as well and he writes these letters to these cities um, that he starts. And he also gives specific examples. And the reason he does it is because he knew that we were going to try and wrangle our way out of like loving people. And we we're going to shy away from the uncomfortable people and the challenging people. And Paul kind of and Jesus go, hey, no, 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 we just want to make it really, really clear what it looks like to love the way that God through Jesus has loved you. The problem is, though, when it comes to dating, um, not so much, okay? There's really like zero dating advice in the New Testament. And that makes sense when you think about it, because the New Testament was written in the first century. There was no such thing as adolescent culture. As soon as you were able to work, you worked full time. There was no such thing as dating culture because in the first century, it was a really big shame, honor culture, okay? And so you wanted to bring honor to your family and not bring shame to your family. It was, um, it was often a really big deal whose name you're associated with, whose family you're associated with, what nation you're associated with because those sorts of things brought honor to people. And then Jesus steps into the pages of history, and this is just, I think, interesting for everyone to know, but Jesus steps into the pages of history, and Jesus talks about this idea that, that we think is so common, and we think is just so universal, but in the first century, it was not universal. In fact, in the first century, it didn't exist. And Jesus steps into the, uh, onto the pages of history, and he starts talking about the inherent dignity and the inherent worth of every single human being, regardless of what they believe, regardless of what family they're born into, regardless of what name is associated with them. In fact, Jesus was the first person to really introduce this idea of what we would call basic human rights. And Jesus, uh, along with that, introduced women's rights and children's rights and just the idea that every single human being has dignity and worth because of who they are, not because of who they are associated to. But Jesus also didn't talk about dating, okay? Which is, um, which is not helpful there. And so what I wanted to do for the next couple of moments, couple of minutes, is I wanted to talk about five habits of healthy dating. Not from Jesus, not from Paul, just from me. Um, which means this is great for you, is you can just choose to write them all off if you think they're stupid. If you think they're not practical, because there will be a couple, I guarantee you, like, that is so dumb, Chris, not doing that. Um, and here's, again, this is not within a vacuum, right? Okay, the, the way that I've come up with these and why I've come up with these, one, I wanted to make them habits because I just don't think tips or tricks or rules are helpful. I think what you want to do is if you want to begin to develop these as habits in the way you approach relationships, and I think the result will be a healthier dating experience for you. And this is just, honestly, a lot of this has been just through working in schools and working in a community and in a church and hearing people's really horrible relationship stories and hearing some of the gut-wrenching and some of the heartbreaking situations that people have found themselves in and just observing that for, for nearly 10 years and just thinking how do we navigate this like this is not me sitting up here being like here's the what I did and here's how you can get it right because most of these things are things I didn't do um but it's just learning along the way and observing this, okay? So this is not me coming up here as the person with all the answers. This is just some five habits to help you um, date more healthy. Jesus didn't say it, Paul didn't say it, so you can just write it off. You'd be like, that guy is an idiot when we leave. So here's habit number one. Ask people on dates 
and agree to dates. This sounds so simple, right? Now, I told our team at the start, because I'm kind of like old school, I was just, again, elder millennial in me, I was just like, should we like say like, ask guys, ask girls on dates? They're like, no, Chris, you know, like anyone can ask anyone on a date. I was like, okay, sweet. So we'll just, so, you know, anyone who's asking anyone on a date, ask people on dates and agree to dates. Here's why, okay? You should ask people on dates. Because clarity is honoring. Clarity shows respect. Clarity shows that you've actually gone through and thought about what it is you want to do. So the next time you, you want to ask someone to hang out or chill, instead of saying, hey, do you just want to, what are you up to Saturday? You should ask them like, hey, I would like to take you on a date, right? Just be really direct. I know you can make it, you can make it cool. You can make it sound however you want to. But just make there be no, there's no, there's no ambiguity. You are asking this person on a date, okay? And then for the second part of this, if you don't get asked on a date or there's just like a lack of clarity, it's like, hey, what are you up to Friday night? Hey, you want to hang out? You want to chill? You want to grab a coffee or something? Then you, th then you ask, you just go, is this a date? Watch them squirm, okay? Just ask them flat out, is this a date? And, and I, just, I just think you should, here's why I think you should do that, is because the bar is set on the first encounter. This is, not, this is just like a human thing, right? You know, you go into a coffee shop, you go into a restaurant, you have a really bad experience. Chances are the bar is set really, really low for you. You're like, well, every time I go to that shop, every time I go to that restaurant, it's just going to be the same experience. On the other hand, you go to a phenomenal place, right? The bar is now set really, really high. You're like, oh, that was such a great place. You start telling your friends about it. And, so if you, if, uh, and when you're in a dating relationship or you go on that first date, Set the bar at the standard that you want to carry. That's the kind of the minimum standard that you want to continue to carry on because the bar is set on the first encounter. Here's habit two. Shouldn't really need to be a habit, but just I think from the amount of stories that I've heard, it need, we need to talk about it. Don't ever mistreat anyone, even if they don't mind being mistreated. Don't ever mistreat anyone even if they don't mind being mistreated, okay? It is, it is not good enough to take your cue from their ex-boyfriend ex or ex-girlfriend or ex-partner or ex-husband or ex-wife. That is not a good cue. That is not a good standard to just take your cue from their past relationships. If you're a Jesus follower, okay, this is just a no-brainer. But if you're a Jesus follower, you shouldn't ever mistreat anyone because Jesus didn't mistreat anyone, Okay, Jesus told us to love, like I said before, love the same way that he has loved us. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're looking for a 21st century application of this. Here's one of the 21st century applications, I would say, of that. Don't lie unless you're a liar. Don't lie to someone unless you're a liar. Don't intentionally mislead anyone, right? Because who misleads people? Cowards mislead people because cowards can't be upfront about it. And I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds like, oh, I'm going in. But here's, here's the truth. The truth hurts less than betrayal. Like you, chances are you've been in a situation or you know someone who's been in a situation and everything was going well and then they got broken up with and then a, a week later they're in a relationship. And you're like, I knew there was something you didn't tell me. I just wish you'd told me the truth. Or maybe you've been in a relationship and then they cheated on you because they didn't want to have the conversation with you. And you just wish, you just, I just wish you would have told me the truth. I just wish you would have let me know because the truth hurts so much less than betrayal. 
And in case maybe you're think t- thinking to yourself and you're arguing and you're resisting, you're like, yeah, but Chris, like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Here's what you need to know. It's okay to hurt someone's feelings. Okay, breakups suck. Breakups are not fun. Feelings get hurt when you break up. Okay, our feelings get hurt as we go through life, when people say things they don't mean, when we get into tough situations at work. Okay, it is okay to hurt someone's feelings if you're ending a relationship. Don't, don't, don't be rude about it. Don't be arrogant about it, okay? Don't be a dick. But it's okay to hurt someone's feelings. What's not okay is to avoid hurting someone's feelings to protect yourself from the discomfort of telling the truth. It's not okay to avoid that because of you just don't want the discomfort of telling someone the truth. In fact, when you really think about it, it's actually kind of demeaning to the other person. Because what it communicates to the other person is, you couldn't handle what I have to tell you. You couldn't handle what it is I have to share with you. And the truth is, if, if you're ending a relationship, it's none of your business whether they can handle it or not. It's none of your business. But you do owe them the dignity and, the, and at least the honor of telling the truth. Do the difficult thing. And do what Paul would say is, is put the childish way behind and, and begin to embrace the adult way. Here's, um, here's habit number three. Don't allow yourself to be mistreated. Okay, you're too good for that. You're too good to be mistreated, whether that's verbally, whether that's physically, whether that's any kind of mistreatment at all. Do not allow yourself to be mistreated. And, and I, I, I understand that there might be some of you in the room tonight who, for you, you just, maybe for whatever reason, circumstances or life has, has led you to a point where you just think it's acceptable to be mistreated. You just think, hey, you, maybe you've settled and you just kind of maybe think you don't deserve anything better. Here's, here's what I would want you to know from my perspective. That on the Christian worldview, 2,000 years ago, this guy called Jesus showed up on the pages of history. And this guy called Jesus, he just didn't claim to be a good moral teacher, but he actually claimed to be God. And then he went a step further and he declared how much he cared for the world by giving up his life on a cross. And so 2,000 years ago, before you were ever born, before you were ever thought about, God on the Christian worldview decided that you were valuable. God on the Christian worldview decided you were worthy. God on the Christian worldview decided that you were so valuable and worthy that you were worth dying for. And Jesus would never, ever mistreat you. So don't allow someone else to ever mistreat you. This next habit, you are not going to agree with me on, okay? So I'm just going to say it, you're going to disagree, and then we're going to move on, okay? But I just got to say it, I got to put it out there, right? Here's habit number four. Avoid moving in together, okay? Avoid moving in together, right? Straight away, I know you guys are like, oh my goodness, such a pastor move to say, okay? Like, this guy is so disconnected from reality. Here's a couple of things that I would say, okay? Why I would say avoid moving in together. I get it. I understand the sentiment. Hey, try before you buy. You know, you wouldn't get in a car and test drive it without moving in together. I get that analogy. Here's the problem with that analogy. You are not an object. The people you date are not objects. You are human beings, okay? That analogy, I think, falls down terribly unless you want to treat people like objects. And again, this is not even 
if, if I just step away from my, you know, take my pastor hat off, take my Christian hat off, if you just look at the research, if you just look at the psychology and the social studies behind it, I think you just should avoid moving in together if you want your relationship to last in the long term. All right? Ro- Rosler and Rosenfeld, like there's, there's heaps of bodies of research on this, but I just wanted to name drop just some people that you won't know so that you know that I, I looked into this and you can like go and Google it afterwards. Rosenfeld and Rosler in 2018 in the Journal of Family and Marriage did this massive big research study around people who moved in together before they were married and people who moved in after they were married. You know what they discovered? Is that if you m- lived together before you were married, your chances of getting, divorce, uh, getting divorced were lower in the first year. But after the first year, they skyrocketed. As opposed to people who just moved in um, together after they got married. Again, you can figure it out for yourself. But then Scott Stanley at the University of Denver, and this one's kind of interesting, I think. He actually did this big research study looking at the quality of relationships of people who lived together before they were married and people who moved in together after they got married. You know what he discovered? The quality of relationships on every conceivable metric was higher for people who chose to move in together after they got married than people who moved in before they got married. Now, if your goal is just not to get divorced, that bar's pretty low, I think. I think you should raise the bar a little bit. I just think that your goal, if marriage is on the cards for you, if that's where the direction you want to go in life, that you should raise the bar, that you should want to thrive in your marriage, that you should want to thrive in your relationship. And the evidence just seems to stack up, not even the Christian worldview, just a, the evidence in soci- uh, so, uh, psychology and sociology just seems to say, hey, if you want your relationship to work long term, avoid moving in together. Okay, you can write me off. We're on to the last one. This is the last habit. Don't do anything that makes you a liar for life. Don't do anything in your dating relationships that makes you a liar for life. And, and what I mean by that is every single decision you make is becoming a part of your story. Now, when we're dating, we don't really think of it like that, do we? You know, we like to think about like, oh, it's Friday night or it's the weekend or it's that summer or it's that, it's that trip overseas or it's, it's whatever, right? But every single decision that you and I make becomes a permanent part of our story. And one day, one day someone's going to want to know that story. And one day you're going to want to share that story with someone. And what you don't want to happen is that you get to certain chapters or you get to certain pages and then you kind of feel like you, you want to rush past them or you want to glean over them or you want to actually lie about that part of your story. So don't do anything right now that could, could potentially set you up to become a liar for life. Now, I totally get it, right? All of us make mistakes relationally, make mistakes when we're dating. And so you might be th- sitting there thinking, Chris, well, what if, what if I've got parts or chapters of my story that I'm not particularly proud of? You know what a really good story is? A really good story is, hey, I had some things in my past and I had some ways when I, that I was approaching dating and relationships that weren't healthy and that weren't helpful. But then there was a day. Then there was a moment. Then there was a time. I just made a decision. I just drew a line in the sand. And I said, from this point forward, I am going to write a better story. And ever since, I have been writing a better story. That's a, sto- that's a great story. That's a story worth telling. That's a story worth getting excited about. That, hey, ever since I reevaluated, I have been writing and I've been uh, writing a better story. So, 
if what I've said uh, up until this point has just made you think that I'm completely disconnected from culture um, and that like every Sunday they're like, what does he do during the week? Does he just like go into his little church box and then they wind him up, release him on Sunday? I get it. Totally get it, right? I, I understand. You probably will go away and you won't remember anything that I said because you're like, that guy is, is another. Here's what I would just, I've got one suggestion before we leave. One suggestion and then we can go and eat food. And here's the suggestion that I'd, that I'd ask. We did this a little while ago for something different, but what I'd like you to do tonight or tomorrow or sometime this week is, is I'd like you to go home and, and just find a box, okay? If you don't have a box, one will arrive at your door this week. And, you'll, and you won't remember what you ordered, but th- then you'll have a box. And so grab the box. And what I want you to do is I want you to put all your bad dating experiences in it. You know, all the hookups, all the drunk mistakes, all the pregnancy tests, all the dating app advice, all the like, are we serious or are we not? Like, and I just want you to put all of that stuff in your box. And then I want you to step back and I want you to look at the box. And I just want you to ask, do you want more of that in your story in the future or less of it? Do you want more of that in your story in the future that do you want to tell or do you want less of it? And then my suggestion would be to, is to get rid of that box and then get a new box and begin to tell a better story. Begin to tell a story that you're proud of. Begin to tell a story that, yeah, it's going to be challenging and yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable and yeah, you'll have to exercise the courage muscle and the self-control muscle and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it will be a story that you are proud to tell in years to come. Because the truth is, if you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, then don't date like the majority of daters. Take the time now to write a story that you're proud to tell in the future. I'd love to pray for us before we wrap up. Jesus, sometimes I wish you'd given us more relationship advice. I wish you'd given us uh, a little bit more, but the, the reality is it's really, it's really no more simple than that. We're, we should treat others the way that the, through you we've been treated. That causes us not to mistreat any, uh, anyone else. That causes us to always want the best for other people, maybe even when they don't want the best for themselves. And so I just pray um, that no matter where we sit on the whole faith thing, whether we've been Christians for a while, whether we're exploring, whether we're not sure, whether, whether we don't even want to be here. Someone just invited us and they said there was food and so we just kind of came on the way to food. Um, I just pray that, that tonight, that maybe there would be one thing that everyone in this room could do or apply or figure out so that they could have a healthier relationship in the future and that their dating relationships and, and their long-term relationships and their marriages would be healthier as a result of them taking the time to write a better story in just one aspect of their life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.